Hello, hello, hello. This is your girl, Bad Girl Cecilia, and you're in tune to the Fufu and Jerk podcast. It go like this. Get to Fufu with a jerk. Yeah, island yellow so will work. Yeah, anything for quench up your thirst. Yeah, make sure you subscribe before you splurge. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Fufu and Jerk podcast. Your safe haven in a month and time where you probably need somewhere to just relax um, and just process your thoughts. And, you know, we're here to do that to help you get through that. I'm Omar Muhammad. And I'm Annalisa Gale. I hope everyone's doing well. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So, you know, we got, as we typically do, and I think, you know, it's a better time than ever to, to start the podcast like this and to talk about three things that made us happy this month. And we encourage you to do the same. Like when you're listening to this, think about three things that happened over the past month that, that brought you some type of joy, some type of comfort, uh, because in a time like this in America, you need something like that. So uh, ladies first, Ms. Annalise Aguil, what's made you happy? Uh, uh- you know, I, I will say this month has been heavy. Uh, so it has been a little harder to dig deep and find these moments. But uh, I'm, I did find three this month. So we're going to mm-hmm. tell you what it is. So I, I did a juice cleanse um, last month and it was great. Everything was wonderful. I thought I was going to be able to make it all five days. I only made it three days. Anyways, I lost like five pounds. So that's good. My skin looks better. Yeah, it was a great. IG, that's why you've been taking all them body pics on IG. <laughs> Shut up. I, anyway. I, I'm here being professional. Yeah. I see, <laughs> Whatever. I, I see your IG. You Go guys ahead. can check out uh, details on how I did it on my blog, um, alisagale.com backslash blog. And you can look out the results on IG. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I am also grateful that, you know, despite everything going on with this pandemic, I have knock on wood remained uh, relatively healthy. Very grateful for that. Uh, And I'm happy to see that, you know, people are slowly getting out and about. We are in stage two in most. That that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People are slowly getting out and about. I've seen people having dinner outside, you know, still trying to do picnics with their friends and trying to do whatever they can to maintain a sense of normalcy. I, I just, I'm happy that people are trying to stay sane in whatever ways they can. So those are my three things. Uh, Omar, what are your two, three things? Well, you know, since the last time we had this podcast, uh, the last time we had this podcast, I was in the middle of Ramadan. Oh. Um, and Ramadan has ended. And I would say uh, for me, this is probably the best spiritual Ramadan I've had as an adult. Um, mm. And maybe COVID will, what took a part in that because there's not really much you can do other than to focus on you. And, and during that month, you know, I focused on myself. I focused on religion. Um, you know, I, I just felt like I got stronger during that month and I've been able to keep up that same momentum uh, moving forward uh, after that month. And I'm just really happy with the progress I've made uh, spiritually and in my faith. Um, the second thing I'm happy about, uh, this may seem, this might sound uh, redundant, uh, or not redundant, but um, deja vu. Uh, I bought a bike again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you listen to the podcast, you heard that I bought I bought a bike before. Uh, when it arrived, it arrived broken. Uh, I couldn't, and I like. You I, mean I, you I, couldn't put it together? No, no, no. I could it put it together. Broken? I literally put together every single piece except for one piece, anyway. the back wheel. And I was like, "Am I stupid? Like, why can't I? Like, this would be as simple as putting in the front wheel." So I took it to a professional. And the professional looked at it for one second and was like, oh, yeah, that's severely bent. Like, you can't, you, there's no way you can put a wheel in there. Yeah. And I said, oh, so can you fix it? And he was like, it's going to cost you way more to get it fixed and just ask them for a replacement. So I called the place I bought it from. They said, oh, well, we're out of stock. We can't give you a replacement, but send it back and we'll give you a refund and make sure you send it, you pack it in a way that it's safe or we'll have to charge you a restock fee. I was like, bro, you guys in the pack in a way that was safe. Like, you wow. sent me, me a broken bike. Right. Um, <laughs> a mess. Um, so I actually, I did research on that company, and I found out that company has a history of sending broken bikes to people. And so I reached out to one of the other people that it happened to on social media. I said, hey, man, did you ever buy a bike after they did you dirty? He was like, yeah, man, there's this other site, Retrospect Bikes, great reputation. My bike came healthy, yada, yada, yada. So I went to retrospect. They had been out of stock. Wow. Um, until yesterday, I looked, and they had a bike in stock. 
that's bigger than I'm supposed to buy. Because they, they say they list their bikes by size. Mm-hmm. And I bought a bike for the size of a six-foot person. Because <laughs> I, I, I just want you a bike. You had no choice. That I was had, right. Um, so I'm hoping that after I assemble it, I can actually actually enjoy my ride comfortably. Um, if not, you'd always get a new seat. Or, or, right, right, or, right, or try to adjust it or something. Uh, and if that don't work, I'm gonna sell it to somebody for like a hundred dollars more than what I paid for. Oh my! Um, and that's and that's for the always part. hustling, Omar. That's for me assembling it. Right. That's the that's the you know the labor part of the of the sale. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i bought a bike um that comes this week so i'll let you guys know how that goes good and you know i am i am not leaving the house anytime so you've soon. been in the house I, this entire time i go for jogs around my okay. neighborhood um uh you know I, I like i'll go to target by what i need but for the most part i'm staying out of the crowd i wanted to go to mochella so bad i, I fought and everything when was that that was uh, during the protest. Yeah, that was during the protest. Okay, I wanted to go to Mochella so bad, but I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm good. I'm gonna stay home because I don't want to get sick. Because people are talking about getting lung transfers, uh, transplants, and everything. So I was it's like, no. Nah. So the one thing I've been able to do is, you know, catch up on my, all my TV shows. I'm all caught up. And shout out to Team Lawrence, baby. We back in there. It's us. I am so mad with everything going on. I have not been able to catch up, but I will. I got y'all next episode. I'm I'm not going. I'm not going to spoil it for you entirely. I just want to let you know that Team Lawrence be back in here. Apparently, Twitter already spoiled it for me. They already (laughs) told the whole plot, everything. The women tried to write you off and say that why is Lawrence on the show? You're on the show for a reason, buddy. You're on the show for a reason. I called it. We're back. Oh, goodness. And these women are going to have to deal with it. And, and, you know, I have a prediction. The season finale is tonight, so we can talk about it next month. I have a prediction of what's going to happen tonight. Oh, goodness. Uh, I have a prediction of what's going to happen next season. And all I got to say is Team Lawrence will be back in there, and I'm happy about it. So shout out, Team Lawrence. <laughs> shout out to Insecure Writers for making this happen. I love it. Too good. That's awesome. I love that show. It's so good. Especially um, this month. Agreed, agreed, agreed. It was, it, this, this, this month has been a good month for the show. Um, but yeah, those are, those, that's the feel good. That's what I'm feeling good about. That's what you're feeling good about. I found, I'm glad we found something to feel good about. And now to the Pasa Pasa report. What's happening with the Pasa Pasa? Well, Omar asked me not to mention this, but I'm going to mention it oh anyway. Oh, my God. First, wait, wait, yeah. before you go, before you yeah. go. Can I say yeah. something? Can I say yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> the Beanie Bot versus Bounty versus oh how many viewers we had in that thing? Almost 400,000, I think. It was, it was, it was epic, okay? It was hands down the best versus they've ever had. And they probably won't ever have another versus that good again. I mean, the police showed up, almost interrupted, and they still went back to play. We had dance moves. We had Beanie Man becoming a meme with his big belly now in the gym. I mean, there was just so many great moments. I mean, that, if there was anything that made me happy last month, it was that versus battle, okay? Can I tell y'all that she wanted to talk about like <laughs> six things in this report today? And I was like, yo, it was supposed to be like two or three stories. She's like, well, I got six. She's like, did you know the Beanie, <laughs> the Beanie Man versus? I was, that was a month ago. Why are we talking about a versus battle from a month ago? Because people are still talking about it. And you know talking about the Beanie Man are no still more. benefiting from that versus battle. It was that good okay so shout got? out to beanie and bounty killer okay shout out to them big up yourself that was good okay right. thanks for representing big time okay all right what else all right and the last thing i have in my pasta pasta report because i love uh usain bolt and casey uh they just welcomed their first child shout out to them uh you know usain is a a country boy as he calls himself from the countryside of Jamaica and he made it from the ground up with no handouts. So shout out to him representing always. That's my boy. That's it. Shout out to Usain finally getting back to black women and leaving white women alone. Um, black history month. What? You um, saying been with Casey. You're just late, late. <laughs> Anyways, what's going on with the, the Quasias? <laughs> oh, we keep up with the Quasias and uh, no foolishness going around in Ghana right now. Um, uh, literally, uh, just a few minutes ago, um, the president spoke uh, about COVID-19 uh, in Ghana. And tomorrow, 
Uh, he said that they're entering phase one of easing the restrictions. Um, and the last batches of institutions and educational institutions will be reopening tomorrow. Um, he also said that the ratio of death to positive cases stands at uh, 0.4%. And the, the, the number of critically ill is also continuing to be low. So they feel confident in this move. But he said, if you leave, leaving the house without a, quote, leaving the house without a face mask or covering is an offense. And the police have been wow. instructed to enforce this directive. So, uh, yeah, so. That's pretty strict. Yeah, so, you know, wear your face mask. Don't get caught up. Don't get snatched up. Stay healthy. Uh, COVID hasn't been as bad in Ghana as it's been other places. Shout out to my, my dad being healthy there the whole time. Oh, good. Um, Yes, so there is that. Um, also, uh, Ghana was ranked the third most peaceful country in the sub-Saharan Africa region. Wow. Um, the, By who? The report comes from the 2020 Global Peace Index. Um, I will say I looked at the entire list because I, I know people will be curious where the United States ranked. And they don't rank in the top 83. Uh, <laughs> that's, we're not looking good at rankings lately, guys. We're not. Um, There's a lot going on here. Uh, overall, Ghana ranked 43 uh, out of every country in the, in the globe, on the globe, wow. in the world, 43. Number one was Iceland. Number two was New Zealand. Wow. Number three was Portuguese. Wow. Uh, you know, I didn't look to see if Jamaica made the top. Three. I was gonna say, I bet you even checked for where we landed on that I, list. But I, I we, didn't. you know, when you, we right don't now. even need a list. We don't I, even need a list. We just know we are paradise on earth. So right. you, whenever let, let, you want to go there, let's see if the list says except, so. you know, certain areas. But yes, yeah, paradise on earth. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, y'all didn't make. It don't look like you guys made the top twenty-eight. Dang. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, um, we we're coming back. We'll make a comeback next year. Uh, Sierra Leone, Zimbabwe. I don't see Jamaica in the top 56. Whatever. Oh. Uh, Whatever. Not a good look for y'all. But no, this, this ain't you know what? <laughs> they probably just didn't know about us, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, we should be up six, there in the top 10 somewhere. It, it, no, I, don't, I don't know about that. It's probably the proximity to the United States. <laughs> that better hurt y'all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so shout out to God to being peaceful. Shout out to God to getting healthy. Um, and just a quick note, since you threw quick notes out there, uh, Ghana did have their own uh, protest for George Floyd. Uh, about six people came out. The protest organizer was arrested, though, because they did not have permits for their, for their protest. I mean, it's a protest. Wow. I always thought protests with permits was kind of weird. Because mm -hmm. is, is, it, is it a protest? Because it's permitted. So it's kind of like an allowance, you know? Um, that's just my own opinion about it. There's but, a lot going on. I did think, speaking of Ghana real quick and, and George Floyd, I did find it significant that they gave, uh, George Floyd's family gave uh, Ghana a shout out in the ceremony, um, just saying thank you for uh, doing a memorial service for George Floyd, which was uh, pretty big. So uh, shout out to Ghana for doing that. Shout out to Ghana, man. Love you guys. Uh, speaking of George Floyd and Ghana, uh, our next guest for this month's episode uh, is a woman of Ghanaian descent, uh, Dr. Amy Yabois. Who is a scholar, filmmaker, and assistant professor of Africana Studies at Howard University. Currently, she teaches courses on Black film, education, and gender. As a filmmaker, Dr. Yabois, most recent work includes Goodbye to City Schools, which focuses on the impact of the closing of schools that, had, that it had on staff, students, families, and community members in the city of Philadelphia. So we're so excited to have Dr. Amy Yabois here with us today. Thank you so much for making time on a Sunday, on a beautiful day. I know you had a lot going on. So thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor. It's I'm not going to lie. I know you didn't have a lot going on. We still in COVID. I know you're staying at home. <laughs> I mean, That's it's a, lot. It's a, a Zoom church. It's a beautiful uh, Zoom Bible study. Oh, uh, yes. And now Zoom meetings. So there's a lot of Zoom going on. That's all. Yes, a lot of Zoom. Well, there's so much, like you said, there's so much going on also in with current events. Mm -hmm. um, we know uh, as the taping of this show, Last night, Atlanta had a, a lot of unrest with uh, another African-American man who was shot and killed by officers. And uh, there's a lot of outrage over that. 
Uh, we just had uh, George Floyd, who was laid to rest, uh, and weeks of protests here in the States. So, uh, Dr. Yaboy, you know, how are you processing all of this? And, and what are you, do you still have students right now? What are you telling them? Oh, so, yes, I am teaching summer one, and we're in a film class, summer one. And the processing part is difficult. Um, I think I told you that um, when you asked me to be a part of this conversation, I have been turning down interviews mm. um, because the assumption is that number one, I have to reteach the world what we teach every day at Howard, right? And that's exhausting, yeah. right? So every day at Howard, we, we're teaching, um, shaping students' minds to not only think about history, think about the present, but also think about a black future, right? Or a future as human beings, Right. So when we have people we have people calling in, asking about, you know, what is this? What is that? Kind of reteach all of what we teach at Howard. It's a lot. So I was turning down interviews because I need time to process. Right. And even um, watching George Floyd's, uh, you know, the multiple wakes and funerals, that was draining. Yeah. Right. Um, going to a regular, let's say, black funeral is a lot from the beginning to always a repast. Right. But watching it publicly right um with so many people they watch so many people grieve it's a lot so um i'm gonna say one day at a time um in my classes i start with the question of how are you guys doing i don't assume that everyone's in a safe space to be able to learn something new or think about what's going on i ask them how are their families doing mm. um and are they okay and ready to start learning something new and if they feel like it's not the real process what they're feeling and then we try to figure out how to do the rest of the class but every day is difficult um, and it's definitely for all of us a challenging moment, even though we're expected to teach, expected to um, more exactly. like a compass for America, right? Um, even at Howard. So it's, it's a lot. But we, make, we take it a day at a time and we're not the first to do it, nor will be the last, unfortunately. So I, I, something like you kind of said is that, you know, like we're still processing it. And I feel that like a lot of things in America uh, we've become like numb to because it happens so frequently, like school shootings, mm -hmm. uh, certain types of violence. It's kind of become numb. And I, and I kind of felt that, you know, America had become numb to police violence towards people of color and black people specifically. Mm -hmm. But with George Floyd, I feel that like more of America has been like, okay, maybe this is a problem. Why do you think there's a difference between this and the Sandra Bland, the Trayvon Martins and everyone who came before him? Um, so people are saying like, this is our Emmett Till moment, right? So, but with Emmett Till, we saw his body and we saw the casket. With George Floyd, we're seeing a man like take his last few breaths, mm. right? So just witnessing that. And I think for us who are watching it, I haven't watched the whole thing. I have not been able to, but as you watch it, you're thinking like, when are they going to get it to like, get it that he's, they're killing him. Like every second you're like, okay. Maybe he'll stop. Maybe he'll take us like, and it's like, no, it's for eight minutes. And that's becomes a sense of what has our world come to where someone can do that. Someone can film that. Then we can all go back and sit and watch it. Mm. Cause people have watched it. I haven't, but people have like, what has our world come to where that is a level of, um, like that's the level of our humanity where we, and not saying capital, capital punishment doesn't exist, because it does exist, but I don't think capital punishment exists at, in this country, in America, at this level, where we're seeing people die for no reason. There's no, no one deserves to die be, because, because of a bad check. Because like, of a fraudulent 20, yeah. Literally, if there's a, if something's wrong with a check, you call a bank. Where did the police come from in this situation? And why do you have to die, Right. Um, so yes, people are thinking this is the Emmett Till moment where people are seeing what we've been saying for so many years, um, but it is, it is becoming traumatic for our generation, right? And for, our, and for our young people, right? Because they have access to it, right? At a time where everyone was watching and seeing the picture of Emmett Till, it was like on a family television. Now you can have young people who are 10, open their phone, and they can see George Floyd's murder. Wow. That right? That is such a great point. Um, and if yeah. no one's like processing that for them, they're making their own assumptions, right? Um, so that's, that makes it different. And on, on top of us being numb, on top of us being tired, on top of us, Breonna Taylor, like it's not stopping. No. You thought that after George Floyd, they'll stop, but it's not stopping either. 
Uh, well, what do you think needs to change? I mean, there, it's a, this movement is definitely different. Like you mentioned, it, it feels like a, a different movement. People are finally awake. I mean, we see companies coming out with all types of statements saying they support Black Lives Matter. Starbucks, you know, coming back and saying that they now support Black Lives Matter and uh, after they got slammed by some employees. Yeah. So, I, I mean, what do you think needs to change? What do you think is changing for the better right now? So I think the question of, is it different? Um, 400 plus years later, is it different? No, right? Um, the idea that black men, women, children been lynched and people have watched that, like have full picnics and watch black people die. Like that's not, that hasn't changed. So we're just seeing it at a different level with technology. The technology has changed, right? The, let's say the police have gone from maybe a gun to now straight full military gear, right? Um, the politics of Congress has, has changed, but the reality of what we're facing, that has not changed, right? Our, our cries to leave the hatred and the oppression of America, that hasn't changed, but some things have changed. Um, but the question that we have is, will what we're doing now change the, the, the things that haven't, right? Will America really change? And I say, I hope so, because if we don't hope so, then like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Right? It's not going to change. I think a lot of the, the, the change is like, we hope so. Like, we hope this time y'all get it right. If y'all didn't think killing Emmett Till was wrong, maybe y'all see killing George Floyd was wrong. Maybe that y'all get it, right? Yes. And, and I think that's the next answer. I mean, the next question is like everyone's saying, you know, what's the next step? And I think because America has never taken that next step, people don't know what the next action necessarily is. You know, we've gone from riots to peaceful protesting. You know, people even said they changed their mind on Colin Kaepernick. A poll came out, said like most Americans now agree with Colin Kaepernick's taking the knee. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what necessarily can be done from a legislative level? Because I, because I have friends that are police officers. I actually, me and one of, one of my best friends growing up, he became a police officer. And he was basically saying, you know, it's going to come to a point where police can't do their job. Because no matter what happens, you know, if it comes to a point where there needs to be physical action taken, police officers aren't going to want to take that action out of fear of somebody recording it and it being flipped in a different way. So, like, what, what can possibly be done? To, to comment on the, let's say, the police fear to not do their job, that's just, like, for real? That's what we're worried about? The police not doing their job? First of all, your job is to protect people. So if you're worried about losing your job to protect people, then but if, you, if you're worried about losing your job to be physical and abuse people, well, go, okay. Like, that needs to go. So let's not think about that being a fear. Like, that I needs mean, to go. But to be fair, there are situations where police officers have to be physical to do their job. And so again, I, let's think about these situations. Like, let's compare, like, the George Floyd situation. Mm-hmm. Like that, th- th- it has to be physical. I agree that, that, that there was there right? was excess there. There's, yes, there's excess I mean, there. there are points in conversation where if the question is about being physical, number one, let's just be honest. Th- we can think we can revisit police and physicality. That's a different conversation. But your job is to protect and serve. Mm-hmm. So if you worried about losing your job to protect and serve, that's a different conversation. But you worried about your ability to chokehold somebody, you need to stop. Like you need to stop. You should not be you should not be concerned about how 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 you're able to chokehold somebody or put your neck on or put your knee on my neck. So the right? example the example he gave to me was that you know he gets called a lot in this area in the Washington D.C. area for trespassing reasons. So like for instance, he'll say like someone will call the police and say, "Hey, I told this person to leave. This person is not leaving. Can you please remove this person from my pre- from my premise?" Mm-hmm. And you know he said the first thing police officers do, we go there and we ask the person to leave. And once the person refuses to leave, that's when we have to get physical and physically remove this person or detain this person. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if I get calls for that now, I'm not touching anybody because someone may record it and say that I'm, I'm, I'm being abusive or excessive, mm-hmm. right? So is there a fine line where we can allow police officers to actually do their job, but also monitor how they're doing it and prevent it from being done in excess? I think... Where example comes to mind is like an example, maybe say a family, right? Let's say a woman has someone who's in her house, let's say who she wants to be removed or let's say vice versa, right? I think police have become the check enforcers, like literally like blank checks enforcers. They have become social workers. They have become um, doctors. And that's not your job. If someone has a mental illness, 
Yes, they call 911, but you probably need to send a doctor, right? Yes, there's an issue in the family. You probably need to send a social worker. You don't need to send a person with a gun into a situation to be violent. In many cases, we have kids in classrooms. Let's say that a student in the classroom is, um, I don't know, not listening to a teacher. People are calling cops to deal with kids. You need a, a counselor, right? So I think there are other things that we can say cops could be doing that can give them more time to protect and serve. And in that situation, yes, if it's a violent situation, um, I, th I think that comes to training, right? Uh, maybe it's to train people better, but I don't think a cop should be a social worker, a doctor, um, a bank teller, uh, like, no. No, we can, we can figure out ways to make this, and that's, you know, this concept about defund the police, like defund the police to give funds to other people who are struggling to do their job. Some schools have no social workers, but they have all the police in the world. Get some of that money from the school budget. Instead of paying police to be security guards, get some counselors, right? When it comes to anger, a lot of anger is because I am really mad and I need somebody to help me process. Instead of a cop, arrest me and put me in prison. I'm in juvie, right? So I think when it comes to aggression, the question is what is at the point of aggression? If black people are mad, whether it's economics, whether it's social, whether it's healthcare, we can deal with those and then say a police officer can protect and serve. You, you touched on an interesting point with uh, both you and Omar. Um, when it comes to these 911 calls, we're seeing a lot more of the, the people on social media are calling them Karens, where people are calling police and all of a sudden they're going viral for all the wrong reasons. They lose their jobs. Uh, what do you think about that movement and that wave of, of people just calling 911 and getting blasted for, for making pointless 911 calls? I mean, so I think this is again, the, the who Karen thinks the police is, right? Karen thinks the police is the author and the finish of what they fear, which is black life. And the police is not. We're supposed to protect and serve. So we see this, right? Um, Emmett Till, the white woman, she lied. So she lied. And he was murdered, right? Um, so with this Karen situation, some people with privilege, right, think they have the power to use police to control, abuse, and cut off people of color, black people, right? And we're just seeing it now. Like, it took us years to know that, um, I can't remember her name, the woman that lied on um, Emmett Till, that she lied. Right? But now we can catch Karen on the spot in a lie with a mm -hmm. camera. But the Karen, the Karen situation always existed. Right? And it's the idea that the police work for certain people. Right? So the police is there to protect and serve Karen against um, us. Right? And logically, that makes sense. When they answer the phone call and they send police. Right? But we've seen this many cases where um, black women are calling police or black families are calling police in their neighborhoods and police don't come. Right, so for every Karen, there's a, a black family who's been calling police for a, a situation that needs to be resolved, and they don't come, mm. and that's the issue. So, do you really feel that you know, taking some of the money away from the police, the police officers and the police departments, and funneling them into other uh, sources, uh, resources such as uh, uh, therapists and and counselors? Do you really think that would solve a lot of the issues that that a lot of young Americans are having, and what and which lead to police situations? These police, the violent police situations. Yeah, I think there is a conversation around defund the police that has kind of gone like left and right. Mm -hmm. um, but if we think about who's saying it, if I'm a young child saying it, for my sake, in my school, that means something different than let's say at a state level. Right, and no one's saying we should strip police of money. It's saying, as a young person, I look at my school and I see more police than I see counselors. Mm. There's a blank check for war, but we have to fight for education, right? There's a blank check for, let's say, to go to outer space, right? But when it comes to healthcare, we gotta be on the front lines, and that's just not, that's not right, right? So the defund, again, it's complicated, but let's think about who's asking. If it's a young person asking about their school, let's be critical and think about that. If it's a young, if it's someone asking about defunding the police for their neighborhood, let's be critical and think about that. If it's a state, let, um, state legislator, let's, so every one situation is different. But we can't say we're gonna not listen, right? Um, because we just can't defund the police for everybody. But we, we're not asking for everybody. Only some people are asking. People are asking on certain levels, 
in certain circles that this, how, how the police engage with me and my community, um, that, that, that formula that was created, that needs to be revisited, right? Um, even if it comes to um, just safety. So, I'll go ahead and listen. No, you can, you can ask your question. I'll ask after. Um, so, are you saying that the defund the police, you know, everyone should get together and hear from, like, all these levels and then mold one idea? Because what you're saying is there's multiple ideas of what defund the police is. And I agree with you. I think that's why that, that message isn't necessarily resonating with a mm. lot of people. Because when some people say defund the police, they're saying abolish police. And then yeah. some people, like you're saying, are saying defund police or... Uh, uh, for like in school systems, like, hey, we need to put that money into more resources to help develop these kids better. Are, are, so are you saying that legislators should get together, hear from each party and then make up legislation that actually makes sense that will work in a uniform for everybody? Or do you want to keep it state and or county specific? I think when it comes to like funding of the police, it's clearly multi-leveled, right? Mm -hmm. It's about military coming in versus your local police officer. You know, there are levels to that. So since there are levels to the money, situation, there has to be levels of how we address the solution. There can't be a one size fit all for everyone. Um, but there are some things that let's say military, is it okay for us to send military on American citizens, right? Is that okay? Like, should that be the way we're putting people in full military gear when people just have cloth on their faith and maybe, maybe some rocks in their bag? Like, is that, is that the solution we want to say where we want our dollars to go. So I think since the money is leveled, the conversation should be leveled. Um, but I think what people are doing now is saying, everyone's listening, so let's all shot at the same time and see what mm -hmm. happens. Like, I'm going to shoot my shot. All right? If uh, Amazon, Apple are dropping millions, guess what? Just bring it over here. I'm waiting for the, um, them to send some money to HBCUs. <laughs> if you are serious about bringing diversity in America, guess what? HBCUs are the institutions that are creating diversities in the businesses, in journalism, in medicine, we graduate the most doctors, most lawyers. So don't go send money to Georgetown, because guess what? Georgetown is not graduating the most black doctors, lawyers, engineers. Send it to HBCUs. Well, that's why Trump said he's holding us down, right? Speaking of Trump, my next <laughs> question. Because um, <laughs> Omar's a mess. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s son, Martin Luther King III, tweeted uh, recently, this is going to be the most critical election of all time. Do you agree with that and why? I mean, I think when we get into these conversations as far as new, all time, it just forced people to not think back. I think when we think about when people of African descent were literally less than human, like three-fourths human, like every election was like, oh my gosh, we have to. So I think just for now, like everyone's mind should be on November now. But let's not discredit the fact that in the past, we've been every November or every four years has been a conversation about, we hope this time America will get it right, right? But this one with, um, you know, seeing Mitt Romney at a Black Lives Matter march is like, hmm, okay, Republicans, okay. Possibly, I could be think, rethinking this uh, bipartisan situation. Yeah, I probably won't be on, uh, it, right now, things look like, things look different. Interesting. Maybe that's where interesting. I, I think this goes into also, you know, where like they say, don't look at the video and don't tell the whole story. Well, yeah. Mitt Romney got black grandkids now. So like it, it hits it hits closer to home for him than that's just for, for other people. That's true, that's um, true, that's true. So but yeah, go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought. I just wanted to that's put true. that in there. No, not sure. I think <laughs> um I think every moment is a new moment. Every day is a new day. But we just can't get um sidetracked as if we haven't been working for these new days every day, right? So every day we've got a moment to wake up, people are saying, okay, maybe this is the day that's going to change. The next day happens. So every day is a new opportunity, new moment to kind of get it right. Um, the idea that we have been the most democratic, right? Black people, we, we, wanna, we, wanna, we want America to be democratic. We want America to be the, the space that it said it would be, right? And every day we just try to think if there will. Like, will, it, will you guys be the land of the free, equal, right? All these things that you said you were. Um, so, but every day is a day for us to check this and see this. Uh, what do you think about the response from Biden versus the response from Trump uh, to George Floyd? Do you think th that one is better than the other right now? 
I think again, so I haven't, I, I would say I, I haven't been, I haven't been like day to day on it. Right. Cause again, the emotional right. processing part, right. So have I watched every Trump's response minimal versus every Biden response? Maybe, you know, no, I haven't. But I think if anyone is responding to George Floyd, be, if anyone's responding to George Floyd besides, or just in, outside, outside of condolences to his family, I think you're missing it, right? So if you focus on George Floyd and the family, then you're missing the larger conversation of it. So is someone who's speaking about George Floyd and this being the George Floyd moment, um, is that enough? No, like the pandemic of racism has existed for years. George Floyd is not the first, maybe the last. Like there's a list of people, list of families. Um, so unless you're speaking about the larger systemic institutional stuff, if you're just speaking about George Floyd, it's not enough. Like if you're just speaking about looting, you definitely missed it. Right. Um, so I think people are pushing Biden. I think the question as far as him picking a, a VP, I think that's the response I'm looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. Who he picks as a VP. I think that would, that would let us know if he's really talking to us or he's just entertaining us until November. Now, mm -hmm. you, you just touched on something that I, th I wanted to ask and I kind of overlooked it myself. The looting. Are you pro-riots and looting yeah. and why? Am I pro-riots and looting? So pro -looting. <laughs> in, cases like, in cases like this. In cases like this. Looting. Okay. So let's go rioting. Yes, I am for... The only language America understands is the uh, is conflict and like tension. America doesn't understand peace, like it doesn't. But the, and the second part, the looting. I think the only language America understands is currency. So the mm -hmm. looting part is like I'm gonna hit you where your pockets are, so you understand I'm dead serious, right? So the writing and looting, looting go together because America's. I don't know how many times we've tried to explain to America, this is wrong. We wrote books. Movies, we've used our lives as sacrifices in the military, like we've done it. So if the only language you understand is chaos and you know economic infrastructure is being destroyed, then that's that is I don't agree with it, but I understand that that's the only language America understands. It wasn't until Target got broken into and became a target of someone's aggression that Target felt like they had to talk. Mm -hmm. Right. It wasn't when people started calling out uh, companies where they felt like they had to talk because we said if you don't talk, we're not giving you our money. Right. So that's looting. But let's be America's been looting for years. America's been destructive for years. So we're just speaking their language. And unfortunately, they're, they're mad that we've learned their language. Mm. I mean, there's just so much that goes into this. I mean, do you think that the pandemic has kind of uh, added fuel to the fire? if that's the right way I'm looking at this, where it, it's kind of given us time to, to look at everything that we've been ignoring for a long time. Yes, yeah, since I talked to my sister about this, um, so I work at Howard, all black space. Um, if this wasn't during a pandemic, I would be, let's say, no, not, I also would be in a, a, safe, a, a space that looks like me to be able to embrace, heal, and kind of, but if I was working in an all white space, right? It may be different. So I think because of the pandemic, a little bit of the tensions that we would have to think about, I may be slow to retweet something because I got to be at work on Monday. My boss may see my tweet. That, that wall is just broken down. Like we're not coworkers no more, right? I'm calling out my friends because right now I don't, I, 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 I don't see them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Like I don't see them. So I'm going to be my true black self. I'm going to say what I really want. Hopefully no one sees it at my job. They call HR and I, you know, but even that, I'll call out my boss if he does. Because at this point, people calling out their bosses. If you're not writing for me, guess what? I'm calling you out. I'm probably on front street. I have multiple students say they, they, they advise their bosses in advance that if you don't say the right thing, tell me right now, I'm not, I'm not going to help you. So don't be tweeting no all lives matter right now. Do it. I'm the only black person at work here. Don't say I have a black, a black employee because I will tell them that as the black employee, you, didn't, you don't listen. And that, that, that's because I don't have, like you're not, like, you're not in front of me. I'm, like, I'm in a safe space with my household and my family, right? So the pandemic has created a different dynamic in which people are at home. People are, have a little bit of sense of identity where from Monday through Friday, I can be at the march 
and still be on my office phone checking emails. Mm. I have a mask on my face. No one can see me. So I'm going to be about this hard work because the pandemic has created a little bit of space for me to fill in and not go back to work. But again, that's also the the issue of um, just being exposed to the pandemic itself, right? That we have to put our lives on the line on this double um, health, social, political dynamic that's, you know, very tough to deal with. I also want to say that a lot of companies are speaking out and saying, you know, they're with Black Lives Matters now. Well, I, I would appreciate it if they just didn't comment at all because it seems phony, no? Because I, mean, I feel like, because everybody, because look, I get it. Like, I bought products from you before. I don't need an email telling me that you support me now. Now. If you, always, if you always supported black people, would you need an email to say that? It just seems phony to me. That's why I bought Ben and Jerry's ice cream the other day. Because they no, Ben just been bad about it since the beginning. <laughs> um, I think the recent was a band aid. Like, we're with oh, black people. The, mm-hmm. Now we have the all shades of everybody. Band-Aid, for real? Yeah, I know that black people use Band-Aids. I just found out that I feel uncomfortable with a white Band-Aid on my head. At a, like just, or the, um, the writer of Friends, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to cut that enough. You sorry? You so, not, now you sorry. But you, you don't know before that we, was, that we think that Friends can be diverse. But I, so, so should they speak out? Um, I think what, I, I appreciate what Serena Williams' husband did. He gave mm. up a seat. That was bold. That if was bold. Wanna, if you want to be bold. honest, give up yeah. your seat. Not, not saying not say he, you know, he, he, he might have a cookout, but I want Band-Aid to be like, listen, we did Band-Aids, gave money, but we about to hire these many people to deal with the ec- economics part of this conversation, right? So if you if you get up your seat and, and you, you just put an email together that maybe the black person even wrote, which is like, for real, I got to write my own mm-hmm. apologies to my own people, right? right. right? Um, I want to see some people give up some seats, really give up some seats, really say we're about to cut this check to these black universities to really Mm. create more business owners, lawyers, doctors. We want to create more HBCUs. I don't know. But I do commend him for um, encouraging his colleagues to give up their seat, if if you're really for the cause. It's a good cause. I mean, but it's also very, it's very okay because of his economic status and the economic status of his wife. Like he could be, he could be, he could be. Like I can, I'll good. give up my seat. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's not a problem. Like all the money, anyways. Like my wife was beating people pregnant. I don't need to hire a black woman, please. Thank you. True, um, but I think that the hope is that maybe half his friends give, you know do it right. If every black billionaire gave up every seat they yeah. had on like twenty five boards and they don't do nothing and put some black people there, you know, it would be a drop in the bucket. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for Band Aid. Give up your seat, right? You want to say, you know, for companies that have franchises, you want to open up franchises where black people are owners, right? I think someone said, you know, the NFL, how many owners y'all kind of, you know, have? Yep. Um, Pass on the power. And if you guys are looking, I'm very well versed in football. Um, If you happen to listen to this, just watch the money. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And even the NBA, right? The NBA now, they're saying, you know, we're not playing. We shouldn't play. Like this is not the time to play. This is not the time to dribble the ball. No. LeBron, LeBron wants to dribble the ball. LeBron's trying to win his championship. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron's like, Mm-mm, I know, I know. Doctor, your boy. I, I wish we had more time. You are so great. Thank you so much for making Thanks time. For the invitation. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Yes. Thank you for uh, joining us and making time, even though you don't talk to a lot of people right now. We <laughs> definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Thank before you, you go, before you go, can you, for the record, uh-huh. makes the best jollof. You know what? I feel like there's a lot of bias here. You can ask Nigerians before when they came on the show. Nigel, what? Negative. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well, we hope to try some of your jollof soon. Maybe one day. Thank you so much. Nice. So, yeah, thank you, Doc, for joining us again. Thank you for representing jollof. Uh, we respect it. We, we, we appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and oh, man. Uh, we're taking it back uh, with the Fufu and Soup. And in today's Fufu and Soup, we're going to try to keep it on brand what we just talked about, the George Floyd thing. Uh, because like she said, you know, it, for her personally, it's been hard to process. And, you know, sometimes you just got to talk through things and talk about, so that, to help you process them. So uh, I think that, you know, today's Fufu and Soup is to be about us uh, going through it and processing it. And I'll start. Um, for me, you know, I worked in news for about a decade now. 
Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of police shootings and killings. I was, I was working in news with, with, with Trayvon Martin happened. Mm. Um, I was working in news with Sandra Bland. Mm. Um, I've seen a lot of protests. And, you know, for me, it's kind of sad because, you know, like everyone's outraged and I'm upset. Uh, but I'm also becoming numb to it kind of a little bit because I've, I felt like I've seen it before and everyone's saying, you know, this one's different and I want to believe that, but I also feel like I've heard that before. You know, I felt like when, when, when Trayvon was murdered, I felt that everyone said that was the Emmett Till situation, um, the modern day Emmett Till situation. So for me, like, I understand everyone's outrage. I understand everyone's feelings about it. Um, I support outrage. I, I support your feelings. Um, me personally, I heard it. I watched the video. I was sick uh, when I watched the video. Um, it depressed me for a bit. But then, you know, being back in news, I was able to snap back to it. And I guess that's sad to say because, you know, I feel like I'm just allowing myself to snap back in the thing we're trying to fix. Um, and for me, it's not all, and you know, everyone, you know, demanded an arrest. They demanded some action be taken. The action I want to know is what happens after all of these protests and everything. Cause if nothing happens, it's the same thing that's been going on through our entire adulthood, our entire childhoods, everything. It's everything we continue to witness. And for some people, this is brand new stuff, but I feel like most black people know that this happened always. And for people that you know, I, I think when they, they pull out the, the only change is that you could pull out your cell phone and prove that it's actually happening now. Whereas back in the day you used to just say it and people were like, Oh, you're complaining or oh, you guys are being dramatic. Uh, you, you guys, all you do, all you guys do is complain. Cause I mean, you, you can look at what happened with George Floyd and compare it to what happened with Breonna Taylor. And we know what happens to Breonna Taylor. We don't have video to support it, so the outrage for it isn't as big. But we have video for George, and everybody saw it. And even like, one, of, one of my, my bosses said, you know, this is like, you can't tell by looking at the riots going on across the country, but this is probably one of the, 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 one of the few instances in America that I think both sides agree on. I think both sides agree that the police were too extreme in this instance. And they murdered this man on video. Um, so yeah, so like from, but you know, you also have those same people, you know, trying to politicize the situation. And that's what I, I got, that's what I kind of hate about a lot of things that happen nowadays is that you have, that people feel they have to pick a side. Like, is this the liberal, like all the liberals are, are rioting or uh, the conservatives are supporting the police where the conservatives are out there painting George Floyd a certain way. And I feel like some things are just beyond politics. Like we're humans, right? And I feel that you should be able to look at a situation and be like, wow, that's wrong or that's right. And we need to change this so that we can move on and survive as Americans and humans, as opposed to, you know, you have people like Dave Chappelle said, you know, you got Candace Owens saying, why are we making a criminal a hero? I mean, okay, let's say he is a criminal. Did his crime deserve a death sentence? Did it deserve a, a, a death in that, that kind of way? So, you know, personally for me, I just feel that, you know, I kind of, I'm not upset with myself, but I can see it in myself that I've kind of become a little numb to this and I wish I wasn't. Um, but I also strongly uh, feel for black people across the country because I understand what we fought through, what we get through, um, and I stand with us. And that's just, that's, that's my piece. What about you? Uh, so I tried, I tried to sum up my thoughts a little bit in a recent blog post, um, and I'm not sure if I quite touched on everything that I'm feeling. So I did try to talk to my therapist about it. And I, I'm with you on the numbness. I, I feel like when we are in journalism mode and reporter mode, we have to kind of be a little bit numb. Otherwise, you're going to be on the air crying and just boohooing. And that's just not 
helpful to anybody because then you, you won't be able to tell the story. So I have, you know, stepped back a little bit and, and just try to just present what is happening in front of me without sharing my opinions, without sharing my feelings in those stories. You know, I just let people talk, which is more important to, to allow people to, 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 to say what they want, to give them a platform, which is rare. A lot of people don't have a platform most times. So I'm grateful to be able to give, provide a platform to those people who are out there protesting, um, to our, who are out there grieving. Um, I will say from a, a Jamaican perspective and someone who moved here at 11 years old and who um, first recognized racism for the first time, when I moved to this country because Jamaica is obviously majority black. Um, and even if you're not black, everyone's treated the same. I mean, we just have that type of dynamic. Um, and I won't say Jamaica is perfect because clearly uh, there was slavery there too. And there were Europeans uh, from uh, Great Britain who um, still has, they still have a heavy influence on our island uh, there. So the, I won't say it's perfect, but, I will say one thing that has always been different for me here in this country is that in Jamaica, we have people on our currency who are black. We, we even have a black female on our currency um, and we call them our national heroes. And when we come, when I come to this country and I see mostly men, uh, white men and no, uh, no minorities represented it, represented rather on our currency. I knew what time it was. So, you know, to say that I am, uh, my eyes are just opening right now. They're not. Um, I saw this the moment I stepped foot on, on to this, you know, in this country. And so I, I am a little frustrated with people who are just acting brand new and acting like this is new. You know, I would love to say that I was asleep. I was not. I, I was wide awake. I, I knew, you know, I knew and I know uh, that my skin color is not accepted everywhere. That's why I don't visit certain areas. You will never find me uh, saying I'm going on vacation in certain parts of the South. I will not. I have always maintained that I'm mostly an East Coast girl. And if anything, I will be living on the East Coast or some parts of the West Coast. But you will never hear me saying I'm, I'm really going to the South because I've always noticed that there, there are certain things that are still embedded in this country, a certain hatred that is taught from generation to generation. And my frustration is the people who are acting like this is brand new. <laughs> that is my frustration because I'm, I'm just like, y'all were asleep this whole time. You didn't, you didn't see what was happening this whole time. That, that is my concern. I won't go on too much of a rant, but it, it, it does bother me that people are, are, um, are so oblivious to their privilege that people um, don't experience the same pain that certain people in this country experience because of their skin color. And so they don't care. It does bother me. Um, so, you know, I do hope that at the end of this movement, there is change for the better and it won't be temporary change. I hope that this will be change for future generations. Um, my kids, their grandkids and, um, yeah, I mean, that's all we can pray for at this point. It's just, uh, but, you know, putting out a statement from some of these companies, I am I personally just think it's disrespectful that you, you're putting out a statement now in 2020. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think so that's it. Fake as hell. Yeah. Um, and you just, you just said something that, you know, I thought about earlier too. Um, where you say like you don't want to move to certain places in this country because you know. Oh, and, I know. And like, you know, with journalism, you know, you a lot of us. Fortunately, I, I had to, but a lot of us move all over the country for positions and jobs. And the first thing I did when I was applying outside of the DC area, I go to the demographic of each market to see mm -hmm. how many black people there are, and you know, that's that's not necessarily an indicator of like 
how racist the area is or or if there are issues for black people there, but I don't think anybody anybody wants to be the only black person in their town. Um, and that's just something that I like white people don't necessarily have to deal with. They can go to any city in this country and be the majority most times. Very few cities are predominantly black. Maybe Atlanta might be the only place that, you know, you know, there might be more black people than, than white people, but you know, there's certain things that black people in America just have to deal with that other people don't. And that's just, you know, part of the problem, I guess, and say, and, and, and I'm not saying, you know, every country, every city or major market should have a certain percentage of black people, no. But if everybody treated everyone equally, you know, people wouldn't have to worry about that kind of issue to begin with. Um, I, I actually think that I actually lost the job for mentioning it. You know, it was a job in, in a city, a predominantly city, a city that's considered that's considered ra- the most racist city in America. I'm not going to say the city out loud because people know what job I'm probably talking about. Um, but the you know, I was asked, "Do I have any questions?" You know, they say that you like, you like your credentials. Do you have any questions about the city? And I said, "Hey, I've, I've never really been there, and I know you're a local and you grew up there. You know, how is it?" you know, for, for people of color up there. And that person was like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that my, the, the city I grew up in and love has that reputation. Uh, that doesn't, he was like, uh, inside our walls, there hasn't been any kind of situation like that. We all treat each other equally. Um, but again, I can't speak for what happens outside of these walls. And I think me asking that question kind of deaded me from that job. Um, cause I, I was told, uh, that I didn't get the job. They went to put me in a market I'm more comfortable in. And I was like, come on, man, I'm applying for the job. Like I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. <laughs> like, uh, I just, you know, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it's just something that I have to, I have to consider if I'm going to pack up my life and move somewhere. You do. It affects your mental health. I've lived in cities where there's a majority, um, you're outnumbered and you're a minority and going from HBCU, um, obviously that's different. And it's just, it, it's, it's uncomfortable in some uh, aspects because people do treat you differently mm-hmm. and it's, it's sad. You know, it really is sad. I hate to say it. People do treat you differently sometimes because of your skin color in America. It's true. So, you know, I, and, you know, it's just something that as a country, we just, we need to get it right, man, to make it fair for everybody. And, you know, some people are, some people think that, you know, black people are asking for like black supremacy or like for like a reverse of the situations. And I don't think that's necessarily what black people are asking for. I think they're literally asking to be treated just like everybody else and given the fair opportunities as everyone else. And you could structurally do that in every organization and city in this country. The NFL's players are NFL seventy five percent black, eighty percent black is your 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 league, but not one black owner. Very few <sighs> black people in the front office. We just had our first black president. It's it's crazy the amount of things that you we're just hearing of the first. We just had that uh, Air Force. Uh, high-ranking official who became one of the first uh and it it's just amazing to me how many times we're still making history mm-hmm. um it's almost as if it's you know it's almost as if sometimes i want to clap but then sometimes i just look like wow really this, felt, this is what has been happening so i had that same exact feeling when i saw there was two ivy league schools that just had their first black student presidents and i was like in 2020, like, I think it was Princeton and Harvard. And I was like, y'all never had a black student president? Like, what is your black enrollment rate? Like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I just, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, like, that's dope. I was like, really? Okay. But yeah. We have a long way to go. I think that's, that's in conclusion, that is it. We have a long way to go. Um, thank you for process, processing with me. Yeah, it's been a heavy month. (laughs) (laughs) Here's to hoping that the the second half of 2020 is full of change. 
full of dopeness and full of pool openings because I need to hit a pool. I I'm really saying it's about <laughs> to be 90 degrees this weekend. Can we get a pool? My gym, my, I have an apartment pool and this thing ain't open. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I was supposed to be in the Bahamas when COVID hit and that just, that sucks. So if I can hit a beach soon, not Ocean City because they're not wearing masks down there. Um, <laughs> so any other beach that, that enforces masks, I'm, I'm with you. Oh my goodness. Uh, that is the, this is the latest edition of Poo Poo and Jerk. Uh, yo, man, y'all just process y'all feelings. Yes. Process effect change wherever you guys are. Yes. Be, be, be excellent in every way because that's all we can do. And we'll see you guys next one. Thanks. Fire, fire, fire.